It's episode 55 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Before we get started with today's Keto for Women topic, let's chat about caffeine and how many of us are kind of dependent on the caffeine that we drink in the morning, the coffee that we have throughout the day. And really, I think we all know, and if not, I'm here to tell you that that's not really all that great for your body and especially your adrenals. And we talk about stress and adrenals and the impact that that has on our hormones so much here on Keto for Women. And it's a habit that we really need to work on breaking. One of the best ways is to try something different. Try a new approach to your morning beverage, and that really can make a huge difference and can eventually get you off that need for caffeine. And this is where I found Rasa Coffee, which is a sponsor of the Keto for Women show. So love Rasa on so many levels. First of all, they're a Boulder-based female-owned company, which is just near and dear to my heart, of course, but they are also doing amazing things for a caffeine-free alternative to coffee. It contains nothing but adaptogenic herbs. So these herbs are meant to help heal your adrenals, your stress response, basically do the opposite of what traditional coffee will do for us. And It does so in this amazingly delicious flavor that I can't even describe, but it really does take the place of that warm morning beverage, that need for coffee, and the best part is it tastes so good with some sort of fat mixed into it. So you can make a fatty rasa coffee and it is like heaven. It's delicious. I use ghee and coconut oil in mine. Oh my gosh, blend it up so yummy and you can have it throughout the day because guess what? It doesn't contain caffeine and is actually really, really good for you and your adrenals, your hormones, your stress response, all those things that we're working on with keto and just us as ladies. So the cool thing that I really love that I think you all could try if you are someone that's relying and dependent on that caffeine is to use rasa and mix it in with your coffee and slowly start that weaning process. So you could go like 75% coffee, 25% rasa, then do a week at 50-50, then do a week at 25% coffee, 75% rasa until you're totally off the caffeine. And it's just a great great way even to just slowly reduce that amount so you're not having these crazy withdrawals that I know a lot of us go through when we're reliant on caffeine. So Rasa Coffee, you have to check it out. You guys are going to love it as much as I do. I know that for a fact. And right now, because they are Keto for Women sponsors, they are giving you 20% off your order. So you need to go to rasacoffee.com slash Keto for Women. That's Rasa, R-A-S-A, coffee, K-O-F-F-E-E dot com slash keto for women. And you will get 20% off. Use the code keto, the number four women at checkout for that discount. Trust me, you're going to love it. I can't wait for y'all to try it. 
Hey, hey, friends, welcome back. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Keto for Women show and another episode where we're just going to chat a little bit about one particular topic, I will say, something that has come up quite a bit in my work in the keto community. And so really just something I kind of want to clear the air about and really try to hit home what we're doing here in the keto world and why we're eating what we're eating and doing what we're doing. And that will be coming up in just a bit. First, of course, let's go through some quick things. So most importantly, Really want to make sure you all remember that the next Fat Burning Female project is coming up really, really soon, as in the next few days, if you're listening to this when it airs. So, July 2nd is the one day enrollment for the July class of the Fat Burning Female Project. And we start on the 9th of July. So, that means that you will receive your first materials that Friday prior, which is the 6th. So, make sure this coming Monday, July 2nd, that you enroll. It is one day, it fills up in one day. So, you need to make sure that. It's on your calendar. You don't forget so you can get into that class if that's something that you want to do. We'll talk a little bit more at the end of this podcast episode about the Fat Burning Female Project. And I actually have a special guest, a former fat burning femaler. Well, not former because she's still a fat burning femaler because once you are, you are for life. But someone that has been through the class quite a while ago and is reaping the benefits still. So we're going to chat with her at the end of this podcast. So make sure you stay tuned. She's just great. And I think you guys will really be able to resonate with some of the things she says and be able to determine if the project is right for you or not. So we'll be doing that. But if you want to enroll... I would highly recommend going to bit.ly slash FBF project right now. It will be linked in the show notes here and get yourself on the email list because those are the people that are notified by myself the second that enrollment opens. So you get a spot. So you get your chance for July. It's going to be a great class as always, but summer is usually a good opportunity because we have a little bit less on our plate, it seems like, in the summer. So we can spend more time focusing on ourselves, which is kind of the point of the project. Of course, if that's not something that you're interested in and you're not looking for the group atmosphere or the supportive atmosphere, then the self-study is always an option for you too. That's always around. It's available all the time. So you can head over to bit.ly slash FBF self-study and get your hands on that. I do also want to remind you, this is the last weekend to get your free bacon for life from ButcherBox. So I've mentioned ButcherBox in past episodes. They are a sponsor of the Keto for Women show and for good reason, because I adore them and I crave their meat because it's that good. Last night, I put some ribeyes on the grill and oh my gosh, I'm telling you, it is the perfect keto food. If you follow me on social media, you saw what I mentioned, which is if you need more fat, eat a ribeye and specifically a butcher box grass-fed, grass-finished ribeye because the fat that is part of a grass-fed, grass-finished cow 
is so rich in omega-3 fatty acids, which is that really important anti-inflammatory fatty acid that we need an abundance of and is often very much missing in the typical American diet because we rely so much on these fats that are high in omega-6 fatty acids, which not a bad thing, but we do need a very good equal ratio of both, and we don't get that. We get very much higher in these omega-6 fatty acids, which are more inflammatory, and we can really continue this inflammatory process in our bodies until we get those omega-3s in. And ribeye steak from ButcherBox, going to do that for you. I mean, one of the biggest questions I get is, how do I increase my fats? You guys have heard it here many times, even on the hot seat episodes, we talk about this. Find those good, solid, high-quality fatty cuts of meat so easy. And then even better, which is what I did last night, dip it in ghee or butter because the combination of steak and butter or ghee is phenomenal. I'll just tell you that right now. Get yourself some ribeyes because they're amazing. Also, the grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef is phenomenal too. A really good amount of fat in that as well. And the pork chops, I can't even explain them. You're going to die. So please go grab yourself some of those. And when you do for this weekend only, so through the month of June, you get free bacon in every single box you order from them for the rest of your life. And it is good, high-quality, sugar-free, nitrate-free bacon that's phenomenal. So you'll get that forever, which is so enticing to me. I don't know why anyone wouldn't get that. So head to butcherbox.com slash KFW to get your hands on that. Butcherbox.com slash KFW. One last thing that I want to mention before we get into today's hot topic is this new video series that I have created for you all. Especially as Keto for Women listeners, it's something that we talk about a lot here on the show, but I wanted to kind of make it a little bit more concise and, of course, use my actual face because you guys never really see my face. So I decided to create a video series. This is for the woman that is already in ketosis, but not experiencing the benefits of being in ketosis. So not feeling this energy boost or the mental clarity or the weight loss, the mood enhancement, all these things that we hear about so often in the keto community as being the best things about being in ketosis. If you're not experiencing those, there's a number of different reasons, some of which may be, yes, what you're eating, how you're fashioning your plate of food. But there's a lot of other reasons that we talk about here, but I want to reiterate them. And so really giving you my 10 tips for why you may not be experiencing the benefits of being in ketosis even when you're in ketosis. So head over to my website, seanminer.com. I'll make sure to link to the series in the show notes here, and you can go ahead and watch that whenever you want. They're available. You'll just enter your email, and you'll be sent the links to watch those, and they're just short little two-minute-ish videos. There's 12 of them total, so you can watch them all at once or just whenever you have a spare moment. I like to watch videos when I'm chopping veggies or something like that. So you can go ahead and do that. It will hopefully provide you a little bit more clarity and give you more reasons to look into with your own body, which of course is my whole purpose for being here and doing the Keto for Women show. So again, link will be 
posted in the show notes, but you can also just go to my website, seanminer.com, and look for the link to join in on that video series. If you do like the videos, please let me know either on social media or through the comments on the videos so that I know you like that kind of thing, and I'll do more of them. I mean, it's, of course, the podcast is my favorite thing in the world to do, but videos, I could do them. I could do them. They're a little awkward, but I can make it happen if that's something that appeals to you as well. So let me know. All right, moving on to what we're going to chat about today. Basically, I want to cover if we do or do not need to be eating high fat to be in ketosis, which I know seems like a little bit of a strange topic for some of you because we've been taught that the keto diet is low-carb, moderate-protein, high-fat, which is true. (laughs) I guess I'm giving you my answer right there. And it's true. But I think it does help to maybe have a little bit of background about why it is that way instead of just thinking it's that way and doing that and not having really the basis as to why we're doing that. And I do have a few reasons. I think that there are still, honestly, a lot of reasons that haven't even been maybe discovered yet. But We'll talk about what we know for sure and what just kind of makes sense as a human and as a woman looking to restore health. Now, the reason why this topic even came up was actually because it was a question that was asked of me in the Facebook group of the Fat Burning Female Project. Private Facebook group. You can ask me anything. I answer to the best of my ability. And In this case, I asked if I could share it on the podcast instead, and the reason being because I think it requires a larger response than I could type up in a Facebook post or reply, and there was a lot of women that wanted to follow the question, that wanted the answer to the question. So if you are in any Facebook groups or anything, you know you have an F or a following or something as your reply, and then you can see the posts that come after that. So really, it just meant to me like there was some interest there and more women wanted to know the answer to this question. I don't have the exact question up, but here's kind of the general idea of what was asked. It was basically asking if there was any proof or studies or scientific evidence showing that a keto diet has to be high fat. Because in a book that was read by one of the fat-burning femalers by Finney and Volick, which I know a lot of you have heard of and have read the books, I can't remember the name of the book. It's something about low-carb. I'll link to it in the show notes so that you guys can check it out if you want. But they're really high-profile researchers in low-carb ketogenic diets to reverse health issues and things like that. And they have been around for a while, and they have a lot of amazing information. And so in their books, what they promote is the body will get into ketosis with a low-carbohydrate, moderate-protein diet, and then you're basically just using fat as a way to provide satiation. So basically, fat is kind of this swing nutrient that is for satiety purposes so that you feel comfortable that you're eating enough food and that kind of thing. So hearing that, a lot of people would then say, okay, so I just need to really cut my carbohydrates, really 
cut down on the protein intake too, so I'm not causing any sort of blood sugar response from that, and I'll get into ketosis. And for a lot of people, that's true. I mean, pretty much eventually everyone, that would be true at some point down the road. Now, how long? Very dependent on the person, and that's one of my kind of arguments against it. But we'll go through all of these here in a good order in just a second. But the main question was, are there any studies showing that it needs to be high fat? And I will link to some studies in the show notes, nothing that shows exactly that, yes, we cannot get into ketosis without a high-fat diet. There are some other good ones just showing that high-fat is necessary. High-fat promotes health and some of the other things that we need in order to heal certain things within the ketogenic space. One of the ones I will link shows how a high-fat, low-carb diet promoted more health benefits than just a low-carb diet while keeping or even, I think, promoting more weight loss or fat loss. So there are studies that kind of allude to it. However, no, there are no studies specifically looking at the need for a certain percentage of fat in order to get into ketosis because this has not been done which isn't surprising. I mean, I think we all agree that we're just now getting into a place where keto is being studied more seriously and with more vigor. So it's not surprising that there aren't really studies showing that yet. And I know there are a lot of people who are very study dominant, who really like that research and really like the specific markers and metrics and numbers used in studies. However, in my own research and in my time being a nutritionist and even back when I was a personal trainer, I've always been interested in learning more. What I find with studies that for me doesn't really do a whole lot, and I don't know, maybe there are some people out there that would agree with me, this is just an opinion, is that studies aren't the most reliable source for a lot of reasons. Even if you have done any research on your own, you notice that you can find a study that will basically prove anything. (laughs) You can find a study that will prove one thing, and then the next study you look at will prove the exact opposite. It's just the world of studies, I find, has just a lot of variables, a lot of inconsistency. There's also a lot of pull I think, depending on who's funding the study, what they're trying to prove. You know, it's not this unbiased thing as much as it should be and we'd like it to be. It's not. So it's very confusing and you really can find whatever you're looking to find. So I think that's the first thing. And the second thing is, especially in keto, as of right now, majority, vast, vast, vast majority of studies for ketosis and ketogenic diets are done on men. They're done with very processed oils. So they're using like canola oil or vegetable oils to use that as the fat intake. So any sort of thought about the quality of the food is not taken into account. And they're really small studies for the most part because the funding isn't there for ketogenic diets yet. So I think that's the first thing that I really wanted to say is studies are great. I think it's 
good for all of us to do some research when we're looking into new things, especially for our body and our health. But they do have to be taken with a grain of salt. And that leads me to really my next point, which is for me, and it's because I am in the role that I am in, I am teaching women and have taught women about ketogenic diets for almost two years now. And I have worked with a lot of women. So for me, I kind of have my own study going right now. I have the Women in the Fat Burning Female Project, which now we're at almost a thousand. I have people I've worked with one on one. I have my friends and family. And I'm looking at that data that really defines how I share my information, what I see working and not working. And this is more specific to women and to ketogenic diets, obviously, and healthy ketogenic diets for people that are dealing with health issues as well, because pretty much everyone in the project has some sort of health issue they're dealing with besides just wanting to do keto to do keto. And that's my bread and butter. That's what I love to do is help women find those health issues and heal those. So I kind of see that as my own study that I'm doing. I'm not being funded by any such company to provide any biased opinions or anything like that. I'm just taking what I'm learning from each individual person within the project and, you know, past clients, whatever, myself even, and using that to be a better determinant of what does and doesn't work as a general population of women, which isn't really done anywhere. So I hope that that first clears up, I guess, why I say and am going to say what I'm going to say. And, you know, even in other episodes of Keto for Women, what I talk about is because it's what I've seen time and time and time again. And I know I mention that whenever I do state a fact or something I've noticed, it's because I have seen it. And when you see it every single time in a thousand people, it's got to be pretty darn accurate. And that's what I take. That kind of information and those stories I think, are much more powerful than science. (laughs) Just kidding, not science, but than some of these studies that may or may not be as accurate or reliable as this. So again, I think doing your research, I have always done research as well, but remember to keep that in mind and don't take it all to heart when there are also stories out there and other things going on. You know, like I mentioned last week when talking about KetoCon and some of the stories that I heard and that people have about keto being so amazing for their health, this anecdotal evidence is really powerful as well. So that kind of leads me to now where we're going to talk about the reasons why I believe, yes, you need to eat a high-fat diet in order to get into ketosis, stay in ketosis, and reap the benefits of ketosis. The first thing that we need to talk about is basically the ways you can get into ketosis. So first of all, of course, with a low-carbohydrate, high-fat diet. Second of all, starvation. 
So just not eating at all, which is why fasting is kind of part of the keto community because you don't even really have to eat a low-carb, high-fat diet. If you just don't eat, you'll get into ketosis too. And then, of course, using the exogenous ketones that are out there today that are just all over the place. And number four, a large amount of intense exercise could also get you into ketosis. So those are really the four ways to get into ketosis. Now, notice I did not say low-carb diet. I said low-carb, high-fat, and that's what almost everyone in the keto community says about a ketogenic diet. There's reasons for that, and we'll go over those. I do want to make a caveat to that, which is that saying high-fat does not mean like 90% fat. It's different for everybody, especially over the long term, and it doesn't necessarily mean all the fat. Now, what I have found is that to get a female body into ketosis, it does need to be high fat for a period of time. I would say probably at minimum like six to eight weeks. It does need to be pretty darn high fat. I've seen it time and time again where the lady goes on a low-carb diet, doesn't increase her fats enough, and never gets into ketosis. I see it all the time. This is what I have coined, low-carb purgatory. I've talked about it many times on the Keto for Women show, and it wreaks so much havoc on your body because your body is freaking out during that entire time, not knowing what to use as fuel. So this right there for me is the number one thing that I can tell you with scientific research aside, not having that, but seeing so many cases of women not increasing their fat enough, just lowering their carbs and protein and not getting into ketosis and causing some serious harm to their body. So for me, I don't really need anything else besides that. For me, seeing that and seeing how much damage can be done in that low-carb purgatory place right there leads me to know we've got to increase the fat because in these people, when I increase the fat, and keep in mind that while I don't anymore, I did spend a long time working with clients one-on-one with their diets in particular, and of course, health issues and whatever, but looking at their food journals from low-carb purgatory, increasing the fat's all that's all we did was increase the fat intake for, you know, about a month and they're in ketosis and they're feeling so much better because they're in ketosis. And that's when we can start healing these things that have gone awry during low carb purgatory and even obviously before then when they decided that keto was right for them. So I don't even necessarily think I need to continue this conversation, although I will. But for me, seeing that right there just shows that, yes, it does need to be high fat. Do I know the percentage of fat that it needs to be? No. But I have seen that the higher the fat that you can get at the induction phase of ketosis, the quicker you will get into ketosis. When you get into ketosis and you continue that high fat trend, your body will adapt faster. So you will be kind of a quicker fat burner And so then you kind of have an easier time in the future being able to modulate that fat intake and the protein intake and the carb intake and stay a fat burner. So if you really take the time at the beginning 
to increase your fats a lot, it makes it a lot smoother of a transition, easier of a transition, and gives you a lot more flexibility in the future. And that's just what I've seen time and time again. That's what we do in the Fat Burning Female Project. That's why I have that class, one of the many reasons. So if you want help with that high fat intake and learning how to do that for yourself, get into the project. It's coming up real soon. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that when we say low carbohydrate, moderate protein, fat to satiety, which is what this particular book says. When we say that, 95% of women don't know what that means. They want to know what that means. They think they know what that means, but they don't, especially if you have ever had a fat fear or may still have a lingering fat fear. That is not going to fly. You're not going to be able to adjust that appropriately because we don't know what satiety means. A lot of us, I didn't, a lot of us have no idea what it means to be satiated, what it means to be satisfied, but not overly stuffed or saying we're satisfied, but really we're still hungry because we are afraid to eat more fat. There's also a case where This is huge, 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 huge. If you have blood sugar issues or leptin issues, which tons of people do, especially in the keto community, both of those, or even adrenal issues, thyroid issues, hormone issues. I mean, again, women, hello, these are men talking in this book. Women, if you have any of those issues, you are not going to feel satisfied when you're actually satisfied. You're not going to have those signals. I think many of us can relate to this. I'm one of them. When I had leptin issues, I was leptin resistant during my time healing from mold exposure. I could eat all day long. I had no idea. I never, ever felt full. I was always hungry. Same goes when I had blood sugar issues, you know, years ago in the fitness industry and basically eating zero fat, I had blood sugar issues. And again, I would count the minutes until I could eat again. And I was eating every two and a half hours. But I would still be so hungry a half an hour after I ate that I'd just be those whole two hours before I could eat again. And yes, I did time it. Exactly. Was just torture waiting for that food because of these blood sugar swings. So to say eat fat to satiety does not work for most women, especially at the beginning of your keto journey. And probably I'd say even months down the road, still something that doesn't come naturally. That's something that's going to come much later when you've healed what you need to heal. So I can tell you now from personal experience, I now know what satiation means. I know what it feels like to eat enough fat, not too much, not too little for my body. But that's two years down the road. And this, I would say, has only been within the past six months or so that I have found this and found it to come really naturally and easily. So to just put that out there for all of us, pretty much, that has some health issues they're working on or has a past tendency towards dieting or any sort of fat fear in the past, it's going to be almost impossible to eat enough fat to get you into ketosis. And 
not cause more damage because we don't know what that means yet. It's a learning experience. And again, that's why you need to have these kinds of parameters, especially at the start of your keto journey to make sure you are getting enough fat because it's not that simple. And then another reason that's really, really important to me, again, if we're saying low carbohydrate, moderate protein, fat to satiety, for a lot of people, that's going to be adding another scoop of coconut oil here, pat of butter there, and not getting to that higher level of fat. So when that happens, obviously, this is super obvious you are going to be seriously undernourishing yourself. If you take out your carbohydrates and now you're just eating kale and broccoli and lettuce and something else that's low carb, then moderating your protein, so cutting down a little bit on your proteins at each meal and then putting on a few extra pats of butter, that's really, really dangerously low amount of food. So not only are we not getting the micronutrients that we need because we're just not eating enough, we're, as women in particular, causing a huge amount of stress on our body, really causing this fight or flight mode that will end up being a fat storage mechanism. But also you're really damaging your metabolism. You're causing your metabolic rate to slow way down because there's not enough food. So Again, it's the same situation where in these books and in these studies, which I did look up some of Finney and Bullock's studies, they have kind of this short-term look at the benefits of this and mainly in weight loss. And it's just like any other diet where, yeah, you've severely restricted your food intake. So for a short term, you're going to lose weight, which we'll get into, but is actually going to be muscle mass. But that is very short-lived. And then what happens to these people a year, two years down the road? And I think a lot of you are in this boat right now where I know because I have these people in my class and I get emails from these people every day that I've lost such and such amount of weight at the beginning of keto and now I'm stalled or now it's coming back on. What do I do? Well, look at how you started keto. Did you start keto in this way by just really decreasing your carbs, moderating your protein, and adding a little bit more fat, but really just being super low food? Well, then I know why. You lowered your metabolism. You're being fueled by gluconeogenesis, which breaks down your muscle mass. So you lost muscle, which is our driver of our metabolism. So you lowered it even further. And now you wonder why it's not working. So my wish for everyone who hasn't started keto is please don't do that. So again, get yourself into the either the self-study or the project and make sure you're starting keto correctly. And if you are already that person, you've got to start doing keto in a safer, smarter approach and it will build itself back up, but you've done some damage. So it's not going to be tomorrow. You're going to have to go through the process of building that back up letting your body know it's safe, that there's plenty of food around, that you're nourishing it, but that it also can use its fat stores as well. And life will be good, but it's definitely a a slower process for some people. So again, I'm pretty sure I feel like I've already covered so many reasons why eating high fat is necessary. But if we just take one thing away from this, it's because you need to eat enough food. And if you're 
lowering your carbs as much as we are in keto and moderating your protein as much as you are in keto, then the rest of it has to come from fat because you've got to get enough food. So right there, it's automatically going to put your fat at a pretty high clip in order to keep you from damaging yourself, your metabolism, your stress response, losing muscle mass, all the stuff that we don't want to happen. So please, please, please take that away from this. So I did mention how you will lose muscle in this process if you don't eat enough fat to get yourself into ketosis. And this is, again, that low-carb purgatory thing. But I don't think I've talked about it enough and need to reiterate this, that if you don't have a level of glucose for energy and you don't have the fatty acids necessary to totally fuel your body on ketones, which is more than just the ones that our liver provides us. So if you truly want to run on ketones, you need to provide fatty acids to your system, which is a case for eating fat. You need to eat that fat to not only build the ketones, because fatty acids are the building blocks of ketones. But those fatty acids, that abundance of fatty acids is also the trigger for that metabolic process to take place. So when your body sees that level of fatty acids available for use, it's an easier kind of decision, we'll say, for your body to be like, oh, okay, well, we'll just produce ketones and That will take care of it because we have all these fatty acids to use, and that's kind of the trigger for that. But if that doesn't happen because those fatty acids aren't available, which, again, our liver does provide some, but we would need more for the amount of functions that we want ketone bodies to do for us, if that doesn't happen, you are taking the risk of muscle breakdown because what else is your body going to do? There's muscle on your body, it can, through gluconeogenesis, turn into glucose, which would be a fuel source. And then we lose a lot of muscle. And this is super common in keto women. You'll notice that you maybe don't feel as strong, you feel flabbier, you don't have that tone that you're used to having. Then I'd be really suspicious that you were either in low-carb purgatory because you didn't increase your fat enough or you didn't increase your fat enough, still got into ketosis, but didn't get to that point of full ketone production to where your body can utilize those fatty acids because there's the abundance of them there because of the fats. Of course, we have to talk about blood sugar. If you are eating food, You're having this really great low-carb meal, so you're having salad with some chicken on it and maybe a tablespoon of dressing or half an avocado or something like that. The low amount of food for that meal plus the low amount of fat in that meal will still cause a blood sugar response. So specifically, not eating enough food, again, I see this constantly. So No, no study, but yet I have my own thousand person study going on. (laughs) This is so, so common. If you're not eating enough food at meals, specifically fat, but let's not even talk about fat right now, just a low amount of food, you will continue to have blood sugar issues. A lot of times it actually comes as more of like a hypoglycemic dip of an hour or two hours after a meal because you're hungry. So when you're hungry, you have a blood sugar response. 
We want to keep that from happening because part of keto and one of the best parts about being in ketosis is this stabilized blood sugar, which all of us want. Many of us need to get under control because we do have blood sugar issues. It's going to be harder and a longer process to regulate your blood sugar if you're not eating enough fat because you're going to be hungry. You're not going to have that stabilizing property of fats in your diet. Fats, obviously, as we know, don't cause a blood sugar response. They keep us on that baby roller coaster. The reason why we have stable blood sugar of course, is this lower carbohydrate intake because we know that carbs are going to spike our blood sugar. But so can a low amount of food and not enough fat, more so causing a dip because we're hungry. (laughs) And that's just as bad as having a spike because spikes come with dips. And so any sort of imbalance in your blood sugar, so not being on that baby roller coaster, is going to continue your trend of having blood sugar issues. And we all don't want that. So adding more fat, keeping yourself satisfied, providing a high fat protocol will keep you nice and stable and it will get you to that stable point faster if you're not there yet. Okay. So that's kind of my response to that question. I feel like I could keep going on, but I really hope you get the point now. And one thing I just want to reiterate is that how I feel like it can go and should go for women is that the beginning of your keto journey or if you're trying to kind of restart or redo what you've done keto-wise in the past, if you're trying to get on the health train using keto and you want to do it right this time, you know, quote unquote, right this time, my advice would be to start high fat, low carb, moderate protein, really high fat so that you can learn more about satiety, so that you can stabilize your blood sugar, so that you can eat enough food and keep your hormones and adrenals and thyroid nice and balanced with that good amount of food. Do that for, like I mentioned, a couple months maybe. And of course, the Fat Burning Female Project is going to show you how to do that and how to maintain it for those few months. And then you have the ability, because you've done a lot of healing, you've learned a lot about yourself, you've eaten this high-fat diet, then you have a little bit of flexibility there. Maybe you don't need as much fat. Maybe you do need a little more protein. Maybe you need a little bit more carb. Or really, maybe just every day you want to be different, which is kind of where I'm at right now. I don't really want every day to be the same because I eat different foods all the time. So now I have this flexibility where, yeah, I do have days I don't eat that much fat. But then I have days where I eat kind of like all fat. (laughs) And I'm all over the place everywhere in between my eating throughout my days. So it will get to a point where you have a lot of options and a lot of flexibility within keto and you'll stay in ketosis. But I have never found that to be the case for someone right off the bat, especially a woman. It's never the case where you can just lower your carbs, moderate your protein, and eat a little bit of fat and get into ketosis and feel good and not be causing more harm. I've just not seen it. And I've worked with a lot of women. So keep that in mind. I hope that makes sense. But you will have a lot more flexibility as we go. 
All right, we're going to switch gears here and talk to a fat-burning femaler, Julie Sternberg. So Julie did the Fat-Burning Female Project over a year ago, as you'll learn. She came to the Fat-Burning Female with a lot of health issues that needed to be worked on. She took the time. She was patient with her body and herself and keto. And now here she is ready to share her story and her successes with you. And of course, if this story resonates with you or even just knowing that there's people like this in the group to help you out and support you and motivate you and encourage you along your keto journey, then I'd love to have you in the Fat-Burning Female Project in July. So make sure to enroll July 2nd. All right, let's hear from Julie. Julie, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule, which I know is very busy, to come and chat with the ladies on Keto for Women. Oh, it's my pleasure, Sean. So exciting to chat with you. I know personally a little bit about your background because we've worked closely together, but tell people kind of what your health issues have been over the years that led you to even find me or Keto for Women or Fat-Burning Female. So about seven and a half, eight years ago at this point, I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease, and it was actually the second time I've been diagnosed with Lyme disease. And if I only knew now what I knew in the mid-90s when I was first diagnosed, Mm -hmm. but that's another story. So I'm diagnosed with the Lyme disease, and one of the first things my doctors told me was, you need to change your diet. You need to cut out processed sugar, processed food, gluten, dairy, caffeine, like a whole list. And I literally went from like zero to 100 in the kitchen because I never cooked a day in my life. I was, Mm. you know, go out to dinner, grab lunch at work, grab breakfast on my way in. Like it was pizza, bagels, hamburgers, you know, all the good stuff. All the great nutrient dense stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Chocolate, M&Ms. I mean, you you name it. I was used to have a king size pack a day habit of peanut M&Ms in the afternoon. Oh my God. That might've been the hardest thing to get rid of. So I started cleaning up my diet, started doing a lot of research, started following other, you know, people's blogs. And I found like a Lyme disease cookbook. And I don't know, three or four years into this, a friend of mine sent me the name of someone who I can't even remember at this point to follow on Instagram. And then through this woman's account, I found you and Meg Dahl. And I started listening to your original podcast, the Nourish podcast. So I I started following both of you. And then at some point during your podcast, you started talking about keto and your own health issues. And I would say about four years into my Lyme disease diagnosis, I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. So I got really interested in hearing about your experience with the keto diet to heal your autoimmune disease. And then I just decided when you started your project, I was going to jump in on it. I think it was your first group after your pilot. I love it. To start. Yeah. So it's been a while. It's been, what, over a year? Over a year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so tell us how your experience with fat-burning female and transitioning to keto and what it's been like since. So my original idea was I wanted to do keto to fix my hormones, really specifically at that point, my thyroid, because... I was having a lot of trouble. It's like my Hashimoto's would flare up. My Lyme disease would flare up. And I was like, I need to get the Hashimoto's under control. And I actually did not have a hard time transitioning into ketosis. I followed your program. I think 
maybe compared to a few other people in the group that I was in, I got into ketosis a little later than most, but it wasn't too hard. I do get knocked in and out of ketosis. And along the way, I figured out I had some gut issues I needed to work on. And then I joined your Happy Hormones Project and realized I had way more than just my thyroid to work on. (laughs) It's always the case. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'm like, oh, look at this. But the interesting thing is what I wasn't expecting was how much in terms of how I changed my diet for the Lyme disease, you know, I was doing paleo for a while and then autoimmune paleo. And I didn't realize I like started keto and I suddenly felt so much better. And then I realized it wasn't necessarily my thyroid, but it has helped the inflammation from my Lyme disease so much. So it's kind of like a unexpected surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you noticed that almost immediately. Oh yes. Almost immediately. And since I've started the keto for women, I've started really working out again. I was having a lot of problems. I was an ultra distance athlete back before I got diagnosed with Lyme disease. And I just like, I could barely walk to the Metro to get to work. I certainly wasn't going to go running, certainly wasn't going to go swimming. And I'm back in the pool. I'm running again. I haven't gotten back on my bike yet, but I plan on it. So just overall, like my energy level, my mood has completely shifted since I started keto. So much good stuff that you kind of don't expect because for you, you were someone really looking to get specific healing to take place with keto and that's happening and continues to happen and you're in it for the long haul, I know. Yes. But to have those immediate signs that something's working in your body is so gratifying. Oh, it it totally is. And then even, you know, sometimes I'll have like a dip and not feeling very well, but then I think back, I'm like, well... It's a bit of a dip from like last month, but compared to I was last year, I'm still doing very well. Oh yeah, right. And it's the long haul. Yes. Yep. It certainly is. And in terms of my thyroid, even though as I'm still working on my hormones with the happy hormone protocol, and I know my big issue is stress. Every time I do blood work with my doctor, he says, keep doing what you're doing because my thyroid numbers are getting better. And my Hashimoto's antibodies have come down significantly. Ah, that's so amazing. Yeah. So my long-term goal is to get off the thyroid medication and it's happening slowly but surely. And I really think that my main issue is stress and I'm trying to work on that. And it's a never-ending battle. We all know that. Yeah. So how specifically in regards to food and keto, did you find it easy to make the transition? Did you find it easy, especially going through fat-burning female, to become more intuitive with it and to learn how to listen to your body? Yes. The great thing about it is when I started keto, I was following autoimmune paleo. So it's very restricted in what I was eating. I think when I first started with this doctor that I switched to, he had done a food sensitivity test, not the MRT test, but a different one. Mm -hmm. So I had a list of what I knew I had to stay away from. And when I started with the keto for women project, I was just like, you know what, let me start adding stuff back in and I'll see how I feel. So I started adding food back in and I pretty much knew right away the food sensitivities that had cleared up and the ones I still had Mm -hmm. from doing the test. And then along the way, I was having a lot of bloating issues. And so I decided before you started your good gut project, I had worked with you just on my overall gut health once I started the keto for women. And then I had like a whole other list of food sensitivities, which makes sense because 
with the Hashimoto's, I understand that I have the leaky gut situation going on. So it really was a lot of foods that I've been eating a lot of. Of course. Yeah. Which always happens. Right. You know, at the beginning of keto, trying to get into ketosis, staying there, and then being told you have to stay away from coconut for a while. And I think it was pork and a few other things. It did get a little challenging, but I was still able to maintain it. I was just eating more nuts than I wanted to. (laughs) Yeah, right. Which, you know, we all have to find our thing that we have to go to when specific foods are taken out. And that is the hard part about the Good Gut Project and the MRT learning that stuff about yourself. Because with keto, it's like we end up eating way more foods you know, that we're probably sensitive to without even knowing it. But once you get that information, you can see some major improvements. Oh, totally major. And the interesting thing for me is that I had no problem. I mean, I do love carbs and I fell into it pretty easily cutting the carbs down because I realized even though I thought I was low carb, I wasn't really low carb. And I started feeling so much better when I really got into that 40 gram area. Right. And that's not to say that every time I go out for Mexican food, I totally blow my carbs out of the water with chips and salsa, but that's another story. (laughs) I do too. Don't worry. (laughs) I do feel so much better with the low carb. And it was really easy. Like, I guess adding the fat, I was like, oh, this is wonderful. What really tripped me up was the protein Mm -hmm. because I guess I never realized how much protein I used to eat. And then like carbo loading before big events, which is like totally counterintuitive to everything that I have food sensitivities to, but that's what I used to do back in the day. So even now, sometimes if I find myself not feeling well, I'll track to see how much protein I'm eating. And I really will have gone over on my protein. Ah, yeah. So now you know that that's kind of what triggers for you feeling good versus not feeling good, which is so good to know that information about yourself. So with the Fat Burning Female Project, if you were telling someone that hasn't done it before, what's kind of one thing, one or two things that you think sticks out the most for you about the project? Oh, so I mean, I guess first and foremost would be the major improvements that I've experienced that I didn't even sign up for. You know, I was coming in specifically for my thyroid and I have seen improvements like in my overall inflammation of my body, like Lyme disease wise, my mood. I just feel so much better. I was really having a tough time with the Lyme disease. And it's like, I've totally come out of this funk that I've been in for however many years this has been going on. Right. So that was something completely unexpected. And then the other part of the fat burning female project that I've taken away that I really wasn't even thinking that anything that had to be on my radar is that I've really just slowed down. I didn't realize even though I was sick, I think I was still trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. And so even though I had really slowed down compared to how I was before I got sick, I really just kind of chilled out. <laughs> and I realized that, you know, like in order to get better, I've had to make a lot of lifestyle changes. I've been really trying to do a lot of meditating, which I'm still working on. I'm not really good at that part yet, but I've been doing a lot of yoga, which I guess is some sort of kind of meditation. I've been doing Reiki and I've really slowed down and I realized that. My original goal when I first got sick with the Lyme disease was I got to get better so I can get back to doing my races. And I just automatically thought, you know, I'll just be able to slip back into these long events that I was doing. And now down the road, I realized like, I'm very happy to be swimming again. And I'm very happy to be running again. And even if I never run more than 5k again in my life, I'm going to be happy. 
Oh, I love that so much. And it is so interesting. And I think this happens to a lot of women without even knowing it, just getting more in touch with your body, even when we're specifically talking about food in the Fat Burning Female Project, although we do talk about stress and intuitive eating and self-love and self-care and that kind of stuff, it still triggers that. Like Once you just start thinking about everything more with a little bit of a clearer lens and you understand what really needs to happen to get well. Yeah. And I realized that like probably part of my issue that was overtaxing my body leading up to me getting sick was just my extracurricular activities of loving these like endurance events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's stressful. Yeah, it is very. And I never even realized like how stressful it was on my body. And it's not to say that down the road, if I can get my thyroid under control, I might not try to do one again, you know, like see what happens. But to me, like getting my health back in order first is number one, mm-hmm. my main goal. And then whatever else comes after that, I'll see, but I'll also be monitoring how my thyroid's doing and how everything else is doing as well. Oh, I love it so much. Before we wrap up this episode, I want to chat about FabFitFun, this episode's sponsor. If you don't know already about FabFitFun, it's a seasonal box with full-size beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. What I love most about FabFitFun is how they pay attention to the choice of the products they're putting in their boxes, which include high-quality, non-toxic, and organic ingredients. I just received my summer box and it has so much great stuff in it. There are things like eyeshadow palette and eyeliner from my favorite non-toxic makeup brand Tarte, a natural and organic charcoal body scrub, a really cute cosmetic bag, and even a Pier 1 jewelry holder. That's just the beginning of it too. There's so much more in there. I think it's such a fun thing for a lady to treat herself to or would even make a really good gift for a friend or family member, some lady in your life. Don't miss out though because they sell out fast. So you want to order yours, check them out at fabfitfun.com and you can use the code keto, the number four women and save $10 off your first box. That's keto, the number four women that makes that first box $39.99 so much fun. You guys deserve to treat yourself. I think this is a really fun way to do so beyond just talking about food all the time. Now we have some other stuff that we can put into our lives to make us feel good. Okay, last question. If there was someone listening who's kind of on the fence about whether the Fat Burning Female Project is right for them, whether they should do it, whether it's worth it, do you have any advice for them or just anything that might help make the decision more clear? I do. I do. I can't tell you the amount of people who I've seen probably, yeah, in the past year who I hadn't seen in a while who see me and they go, oh, wow, Julie, you look so much better. Your color is back. You were not looking good there for a while because when I got sick and I cut all that food out of my diet, I unintentionally lost a couple of sizes. And I looked, I think, more sick than I actually was because I just got like really emaciated looking from cutting out all food, basically. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then I think, you know, I developed a bunch, I developed the gut issues from being on nonstop antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And I wish I'd found your Nourish podcast before I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's. <laughs> Not, I found it after. And I would have realized that even though I was told to stay away from gluten and dairy, and sometimes I'd eat it, that it was affecting my thyroid. I didn't know that because of my leaky gut issues. But It's just, I've learned so much along the way, just from being a part of your group, 
for my overall health, like forever, not just this one portion in time where I'm just trying to like, you know, heal my thyroid. And I've learned so much. I actually am thinking that I want to get my nutritional therapy practitioner um, certification. Yay. Yeah. Just to continue. Yeah. It's just been this huge learning experience. And now I'm like, I listen to your podcast all the time. I'm always looking stuff up that you're talking about. And I just realized it's helping me in my own journey. And I've also been trying to help some of my friends. Yes. You know, stuck in a health rut. And it's just enlightened me overall. In addition to, I haven't felt this well in years. Uh, That's so amazing. I'm so, so happy for you. Like, I know we've worked together closely and I know the struggle was real for a while. So to hear you say that is just, it like gives me chills. I'm just so happy for you. And I know it's been a long journey and anyone out there who has had Lyme disease knows what kind of journey that is. So, so happy that this is all working out for you. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to. And I'm just really glad that I randomly found you on Instagram through like a random friend saying, hey, follow this Instagram page. And it somehow led me to yours. I don't quite remember. It's all meant to be. It really was. Right? You like really changed my life because I was really miserable. (laughs) I know. I know. Trust me. I've been there too. And I have those people too. So thank you so much for saying that. But you know, you're doing the work. You're taking the information and actually applying it, which is the hardest part for most people. So good for you. It's true. Well, thank you. And yeah, it's, it's worth it, everybody. It's worth it. Apply it and keep going. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Julie. Well, thank you, Sean. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. We'll be back next week with a special guest. And then we're moving on to more keto hot seats. See you then.